So welcome to Elevenses with Danielle Perry, the podcast where we embrace the tradition of a mid-morning break. We take time to put the smartphones down and also make time for some proper conversation. Now, the crux of this podcast is that over Elevenses, I ask each of my guests the same 11 questions. And it's already revealing some wildly different answers exactly as I'd hoped for. My guest today is someone I've watched on screen for years. I've fallen off sofas laughing at him. And one of his creations was a steadfast entertainment companion in my student houses in my university days. He's an English actor, a voiceover artist, a writer, producer and production company owner. From starting his career in the 1980s as a voiceover artist on Spitting Image and creating the one and only Alan Partridge, to travelling with Rob Brydon on the trip and also playing the lead in Greed, a film that came out the start of 2020, a satire on the mega-rich. We met pre-lockdown and very quickly squeezed a coffee into his schedule before he was whisked off to another appointment. So if the intro didn't give it away, please welcome my next guest for Elevenses, the brilliant Steve Coogan. Very well indeed, yeah. Good, it's lovely to see you after watching you for so many years. It was lovely to meet you in person. Right, thank you. Thank you. So you're all right for a brew? You've got one? I've got my coffee here, so that, um, that, that'll do me fine. Coffee's, yeah. coffee's the thing, first thing for you, is it? It is, yeah. And then I, I try, I think, I, I, two coffees are good, and then after that, it just starts to get a bit jittery, so I, try to, I, I go on to tea after that. Exactly. You can be coffeeed out quite quickly. You can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now, what we're going to do is we're going to sort of explore a little bit, because I think sometimes we lose the art of conversation these days. Mm-hmm. Everyone's dead, you know, sort of addicted to their smartphones. So mm-hmm. if we could rewind back to your childhood, mm-hmm. I'd love to know what your first memory is. My first memory is um, the two things that stick in my mind are being... I had meningitis when I was two, so I was in hospital, and I remember a very friendly nurse, and I remember she had a nice face. Right. I was about two. And then the other uh, memory when I was, I was three was being at a fun fair and hearing Peter Sarsted's Where Do You Go To, My Lovely?, blasting out through the speakers. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so it's emotion and and sensory stuff really that you remember so clearly, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, it was a, I was uh, it's it's funny how those things sort of stick. Oh, I got lost at the market when I was about 2 as well, two and a half. Right. When you know in sort of uh, I lost my mum and I remember walking on tugging on coats of of uh, of uh, the coats of ladies and they'd turn <laughs> around and they well, I remember the thinking I want this when the woman turns around, I want it to be my mum, and it wasn't. It'd be me being terrified. Wow, fascinating. It's amazing <laughs> how vibrant they still are in your mind, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Incredible. Um, and I know that um, all your brothers as well went into sort of the entertainment industry, didn't they? Music, the Mock Turtles, and yeah, and yeah. also Top Gear, I believe, uh, so yeah, presenting, my, my, yeah. Yes, my brother Brendan was a, a briefly a Top Gear uh, presenter and did, did a lot of um, presenting on sort of these cable channels when they were in their uh, fledgl- in those fledgling days. And uh, my brother Martin... Um, was uh, had a moment in the early 90s on the back of the Manchester thing uh, with his band, the Mock Turtles. Yeah. And uh, he, yeah, so growing up, my, my older brother Martin was sort of, he set the tone because he was into cool music and he sort of, uh, it was always encouraged me to not do look at mainstream entertainment, but look at the stuff that was slightly to the left or, right, or nice. slightly off piste. And uh, that set me up quite well because it meant my taste in entertainment was always a little 
uh, a, little, a little different and, and, and taught me that, you know, it was better to be original than just to follow the crowd. And, oh, and that God. sort of served me well, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, when you were younger, I've read that, you, you know, you found that you were great at impersonations and impressions as well. Um, what piece of advice would you give your younger self, like looking back? Maybe, maybe not that young, but in your teenage years or? Um, uh, I think to, uh, I suppose, to trust my uh, intuition I suppose I sort of had slight, uh, you know, I, I would always think there were people who were cleverer than me and I was, wasn't, uh, you know, that I was, I had this, this talent, but uh, I felt like I wasn't um, intellectual enough. And uh, I'd, if I was talking to myself, I'd, t- I'd tell myself to uh, trust my intuition about things and probably to aim a bit higher. Um, I mean, I, sort of, I, I think, uh, you know, or, or strive for, Excellence, I think, because it's something that sort of I've had to learn through the years. Mm. But so oftentimes you get advice when you when your career starts to starts to um, gather momentum. People give you advice, and the advice, you know, uh, what I've learned is more often than not, um, you might as well trust your feelings about something than necessarily heed heed advice. Uh, and and so something I've learned to trust my instincts more as I, as I've gotten older. It's, it's funny, isn't it? I would say the same to myself, actually, because it's like a confidence, isn't it? And you can see where you've made these strange turns that maybe didn't feel quite right at yep. the time and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's it's quite a nice thing about ageing, isn't it? Where you can you have that confidence in yourself, I yeah, think. Yeah, to sort of listen to yourself. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and also, sort of, I think it's always good to, to st- stretch yourself a bit. Try and be try and do things that are slightly outside your comfort zone. There's nothing wrong with with failing, yeah. As long as you learn something from it, and uh, and it's always better to, as I say, uh, to roll the dice and take some risks uh, professionally uh, yeah. uh, than 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 always play it safe. Mm. Uh, you, to do interesting work, you have to risk failure. Mm. Uh, so I've, I've I've learned that too. So to, to, to not be worried about, or is it were to get comfortable with feeling a bit uncomfortable? Yeah, right. Okay, now that's interesting. So, like uh, pushing yourself and not being afraid of failure is actually quite a brave manoeuvre. Uh, the more I think about it, and I'm not sure if I've been that brave yet. So, total work in progress. But that does lead on quite nicely to my next question, which is simple yet pointed. Are you scared of anything, Steve? Am I scared of anything? Um, uh, I'm. Um, am I scared of anything? Well, I mean, uh. uh I'm scared of heights, um, and uh, but I'm not really scared of. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I suppose I'm scared of people, uh, of the of 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 losing people I love, like a lot, a lot of people mm. uh, are. You know, so I'm not really scared for myself, but uh, uh, yeah, other other I, yeah, people. I don't want people I love to suffer in any way or anything bad to happen to them so, yeah. that, so I, I have a fear that, that's sort of a fear I have you know yeah yeah definitely has the heights thing ever has, has that ever caused problems filming anything have you ever had to um, have like a stunt double or something do anything no it's the um, 
it's the looking it's 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 the looking over oh, balconies and right. things like that that always terrifies me because you know that you can sort of it would be so easy to sort of just step step off uh, yeah. in this part of you that thinks oh, it, it's sort of, it, I don't like the thing what it does to your brain you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> it's scary um, when we were talking about um, just then the confidence of um, sort of looking back at your your career and, and trusting your gut as well what what would you consider your greatest achievement in life or career or um, I think um, it's funny you should say that because we just filmed a new series of The Trip and Rob Brydon asks me the same question in, in The Trip. Is this one in Greece? The one in, in, in Greece. And Rob says, we, although we have to, I have to say, part of this was pre-planned. Okay. I, he, said, um, I, he said, what would be your greatest achievement? I said, well, my seven BAFTAs. He said, mine would be my children. <laughs> and I said, well, that's because you haven't won any BAFTAs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's but, a good... But, that's, but I didn't mean... Touché. But, 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 I, but we, I, we only decided that I would say that because it, it set, sets up the kind of call and response thing. Of course, uh, I think my greatest achievement is, oh, my BAFTAs. It, it, it's sort of a, it would be a, uh, a pretty shallow thing to... Uh, um, um, I think that, you know, beyond... Uh, I think, like with any, any of these things, you know, to be truthful, it's to be... Uh, to try and be uh, kind and to try and... My father once said, if you borrow something, you should give it back in a better condition than when you borrowed it. Mm. And I feel like that when we're on this earth, you you should try and... uh, If you can't in some way add to the sum total of human happiness, then it's sort of a waste of time in your life. And I think that... um, I I think... uh, there is something about making people laugh, which is a gift and uh, is something which, uh, as I've gotten older, I mean, I was probably more dismissive of it when I'm younger, but as I get older, I realise that, you know, when we have problems or we're dealing with things either as a group or as individuals, um, often the, the only thing, the only comfort left is laughter. Uh, and so I sort of treat it with more respect now that that whoever 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 practices it yeah. um, than I did when I was young, and I think there is something uh, quite special about that. About um, uh, uh, you know trying to uh, to to, to it, it's an old cliche about laughter being the best medicine, but I think it it's uh, it is profoundly true. I agree. Um, so I think that um, even though I've done more serious stuff uh, occasionally, I think I uh, it, that. Um, it's a, and even in the sort of serious stuff I've done, it's, it's using humour to to sugar the pill of uh, different topics, and and really, you know, I mean, co- comedy is how you sugar the pill of life, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, totally. Um, now we just mentioned Rob Brydon. Now you've had a fantastic working relationship with him over the years. Um, who's your best friend? Uh, Mike. Who's Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about Mike. Mike, Mike, if you're Mike, allowed. I was Mike Taylor is. Um, my gosh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've known him. I've known him since I was eleven, yeah. and he used to. Mike used to, at one point, produce Blind Date. Remember the TV show? Blind to he, Date, blind, Double D. Blind, yeah, Blind <laughs> Date. And he, uh, and but he stepped away from that, and he sort of basically like leads a nomadic life now, where he just travels around the world, living out of a knapsack. Right. And um, he trained himself to fly a microlite and service a Land Rover and spent a year driving across Africa by himself. And so he leads this strange nomadic life, um, but he always comes back and uh, 
you know, uh, and, and stays with me and then goes off on his adventures. I feel like I'm living vicariously through him. <laughs> yeah. Because I, and I often, and also he's not like he's, he doesn't, he's not that rich. He sort of just gets, he, he just pays his rent. He just, man, you know, he gets by. Yeah, yeah. But I sometimes think he's having a better life than me with my <laughs> sort of wealth and success uh, because he's the one that's sort of uh, out there sort of enjoying life while I'm, um, with the greatest respect, sort of um, popping around radio studios yeah, talking no. about myself, which, you know, has limited appearance. Yeah, he's having a, a coffee in somewhere beautiful like Costa Rica or something right now. Well, where is he now? He's in the Caribbean or somewhere. Then he was in Machu Picchu and then he was in the Galapagos Isles. And then he's, and I went to see him in Buenos Aires about six months ago. And that was... Um, great. He just happened to be... It's like, so he's, he's literally, he's trying to consume the world. Yeah, yeah Mike sounds great. Mm. I like the sound of Mike. <laughs> um, so this might correlate now with the next question, which is when were you at your happiest in your life, do you think? Is that certain moments of Mike or your childhood or with your brothers? Um, well... I think uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's a strange looking back at your childhood because of course uh, it's only in retrospect you realise sort of how idyllic it was. But mm. uh, I think yes, uh, you know I I had a blessed childhood, uh, really. Uh, you know I, it was sort of a childhood of riding bikes and getting knees scuffed and. Uh, you know, enjoying my favourite TV shows and listening to vinyl records of comedy that I liked, and then. Um, going on holiday to Ireland. It was things that were quite sort of ordinary in many respects and just days out with uh, my brothers and friends. And so I think uh, my childhood was quite uh, idyllic and, um, uh, you know, I just did normal things. I had a normal, healthy mm. uh, childhood and, uh, uh, you know, in a very sort of raised in a very sort of loving environment. And I did those normal things that you know, I had a paper round. I remember the handlebars on my bicycle that I built myself with so... I put on handlebars that were too wide to go down a narrow passageway on my paper round, so I had to go the long way around because uh, I couldn't get through... The handlebars I put on were just way too wide. Uh, so, you know, um, unremarkable in many ways, but really enjoyable. But uh, but then having said that, you know, I, I, I think, you know, as I get older, I get uh, happier and more grateful yeah. for the life I've been able to lead. And... Uh, and that I'm able to make choices, and many people can't make those choices. Uh, so I feel uh, grateful that I'm able to uh, do things that I enjoy, mm. that other people enjoy, and um, and that the people around me are healthy and uh, happy. Uh, mm. So so sort of, I think now, now probably, mm. now in my childhood, and the in-between stuff is a bit annoying. <laughs> okay, don't <laughs> fair enough. reoccurring dreams yes i do yeah, that's interesting yes i do i have um uh one where i am back at school and i'm i'm about to sit my a-levels uh again mm. and for some reason i'm sitting physics a-level which i never did and <laughs> i haven't done any revision and uh and and the thing is it's not as if I, people say oh you've been off you've been had this successful career for 30 years taken time out from school and now you've come back because you haven't finished doing your A levels, and uh, and and I'm I'm terrified. And then I wake up in this sort of sweat, and I'm really. And the other one, of course, is a, uh, is going on stage to, mm. uh, to do I don't know, a play uh, of some sort. And uh, sometimes it's Shakespeare, 
theatre and they say, you're on stage in an hour. And I say, that's that's not long enough to learn all the lines. And an hour isn't long enough. Yeah. It's not possible. I can't do it. Oh, wow. I said, well, you'll have to go on holding the book. And I thought, oh. I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> and then, they're also anxiety dreams. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you still love the thrill of, of live? Or, or do you prefer screen and... Uh, well, it's funny, funny enough, I do enjoy uh, performing. Uh, I've not, it's a while since I've actually done a live show. It's nearly, well, it's 10 years. And I, I miss it. I sort mm. of do it every 10 years. So I, I think in the next couple of years, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll take a big live Alan Partridge show on the road. Oh, great. Maybe in a, in a couple of years' time. Um, because there, there is something, uh, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a slog, but there's something wonderful about being there's no filter between you and the audience right. they're right in front of you and uh, you either make them laugh or you don't and if you do then you get this sort of wave of uh, wave of adulation that, that comes towards you and uh, it's all happening there and then in that space and, mm. and it's uh, it's quite magical and so so when I've I've been starved of it for a long time I, I feel like I need to, I want to go back there yeah, yeah absolutely now, I know that when we were speaking at the start of our coffee, you said one of your earliest memories was of music. And with my next question, I'm after a piece of music or maybe even a piece of art that completely takes your breath away. Um, something which you return to again and again. You know, the ones you get pretty obsessed with. Gut-wrenching emotional stuff. Uh, would you be so kind to share that with us? Uh, well, it sort of changes from, from time to time. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's a... Uh, there's a song by Fairport Convention called Farewell that I sort of fell in love with again recently. Um, the Stone Ponies, different drum. I was listening to that recently. Mm. It's all old stuff, really, I'm afraid. No. Um, but, um, uh, and there's like, you know, Roberta Flack, the first time ever I saw your face. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, there's so, so many. There's, uh, uh, I love, I mean, if, I, if it's, i tell you what I was listening to, there's a film composer called, who died a few years ago called Johan Johansson. Mm, I know. And he uh, did, uh, he did a piece of music called uh, uh, IBM 1401, A User's Manual. That's the name of the, the album. Right. And it's inspired by the fact that his father was a computer engineer and my father was a computer engineer. And uh, it's, it's, it's the, what I love about it is finding the humanity in what are, are essentially inhumane things. And he sort of, I think he talked about this composition about uh, holding a retirement party for this IBM computer that had been put out of service, put out to, to grass, as it were. Yeah. And that these engineers stood around with glasses of wine toasting the computer. And I found that so touching. <laughs> uh, and then the, the, the piece of music that he, he develops from that is incredible. Really moving, very profound, uh, and um, yes, I, I, I love that, and I love and, and New Morricone's uh, score for Cinema Paradiso is something I mm. absolutely adore. Mm. John Barry's uh, score for uh, Walkabout, the Nick Rogue film with Jenny Agatha, is something I can listen to endlessly. That yeah. really lifts my spirits. Yeah, they're, they're all incredible composers, aren't they? Just, yeah, yeah, wonderful. Um, we're just coming to the last question now, Steve. And, of course, um, I went to see Greed a few days ago, um, which is your new film coming out, uh, which, of course, is a terrible quality in people sometimes, especially portrayed in that film as well. I found it a roller coaster of emotions where it was really funny, it was very thought-provoking, uncomfortable in places. It, I've, I've thought about it a lot after, after oh, seeing great. it, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and this might be quite a pointed question off the back of it, but what is your worst quality, do you think, as a person? Um, I think it is, I really have to 
is 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 judging people. I mean, not, in sort of being slightly um, uh, trying. You know, I remember once I was on on the, the tube, and years ago, and I was sat opposite. Uh, normally it's sort of an inverted snobbery I think I have. Right. I was on the tube and it was a really hot day and everyone was, uh, it, it, one of the things, no air conditioning, people are sweating and a baby was crying very loudly, really loudly. Yeah. And uh, there was a guy sat opposite me, had a pinstripe suit, tailored, very sharp, handkerchief, reading the Financial Times with his umbrella and, and looked really, really, really sharp. Um, but I sort of, I, look, I remember looking at, him, looking at him thinking, I don't like people like you who are all you know, driven by money and that's all you think about. And mm. you spend all this money on a suit and there's people starving. I was thinking all this was going through my head. And the baby started crying really quite loudly. And then this guy who was standing uh, down the carriageway who had sort of sandals on and a beard and someone I thought might thought I'd have more affinity with said, shut that baby up, <gasps> screamed at Whoa. the baby. And then the man in the pinstripe suit said, do you mind not talking to that woman like that. You know, babies cry for a reason and, you know, we're all hot in here and nobody likes it. And if you don't, if you can't put up with that, I suggest you move to another carriage. And everyone broke into a round of applause. Oh, good for and him. I'm thinking that the guy I'd, I'd, I'd judged in my, in my own mind was mm. not, was, was so I'd, I'd decided who he was without knowing him. Right. And, and that stuck in my mind years later, mm. not to, not to wait and to let, to, to you know, to give people the benefit of the doubt and yeah. not, not be so uh, internally admonishing. <laughs> I, I used to do the same. I used to be a backpacker in the supermarket and I would judge what people would be like, this is all terrible for you. And, you, know, I'd be there going, you shouldn't be feeding that to your children. I mean, it's awful, but you do do it. Um, thank you so much for all the, the comedy in the films. Philomena, I was a massive fan of that. Alan Partridge, first time I saw it, uh, it was for, I think it was Children in Need and my mum, <laughs> and she was going to write to the BBC to complain because she thought she didn't get the power. Well, I have a in my downstairs toilet, I have a letter of complaint to the BBC made in 1992 about why have you let this appalling man on Radio 4? It's a disgrace. <laughs> and uh, when I saw Alpha Papa, um, it just really brought back, you know, I, worked, I started in local radio making the tea, even the royal blue pin badges on the set. I was like, that's it, he's absolutely nailed it. Um, Steve Coogan, thank you so much for sharing Elevenses with me. It's been a joy to meet you. Yeah, for me too. Thank you so much. Oh man, Steve Coogan. Uh, chatting to him was um, a bit strange, actually, because I'd watched him for so many years. So to be opposite that face that you've been entertained by for so long was uh, quite the honour. It really, really was. Um, I was also chatting to him on the day of the Greed premiere and uh, we literally had a 20-minute window. So as much as I sped up and pretended to not notice the time, sadly, we only marked off nine questions of the list. Uh, but I'm sure we will cross paths again soon, perhaps on the Alan Partridge live show he promised, uh, which is en route in the next couple of years, apparently. I did, though, love meeting the man behind so many characters I grew up with. I've been tainted by friends continuously shouting Dan um, at me across busy car parks for most of my life after one of his particular scenes for Alan Partridge but such a talent and I love seeing his more personal side away from the comedy like hearing about his best friend Mike and plans for the future it's an absolute legend so if you enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe give us a rating if you've been so kind it all really really helps up next, I'm joined by Sophie Dahl for a hot beverage as we continue our 11 questions. We caught up mid-lockdown, actually, and things seem to be getting a little out of hand, a bit wild in their Buckinghamshire home. Watching um, Endless Tiger King and then <laughs> my husband sort of was endlessly wearing leopard print, so it all got, it all got very... <laughs> 
very <laughs> weird. Very weird. <laughs> Week three in lockdown. Yeah. Cosplay at the Columns. Yeah. Uh, I was Carol Baskin and he was Joe Zotic. So see you next time for our next brew. Can't wait. Thanks for listening.